Well, hey there, folks. Giovanni Puccini here, host of the GP Soccer Podcast and hosting this segment of Conversation with the Coach. So far, so good. Uh, the feedback uh, regarding uh, the guests we've had uh, uh, up until this point has been nothing short of terrific. Keep the emails coming in. I love hearing from it. And again, if you've got a question for me, something you'd like to uh, have me address with a guest on uh, Conversation with the Coach, gp4soccer at yahoo.com. We have a terrific guest today, and I do mean that. I just don't say that. We have a terrific guest today. He's a longtime friend. He's a longtime colleague, someone who I, I really look up to in terms of ability to be a great teacher of the game. And that is Tommy Geis, who's the technical director of Massachusetts Youth Soccer. Uh, Tommy joined um, Mass Youth in 2010 after spending 20 years as an assistant director of coaching in Western PA and for four years as a director of coaching for an Anchorage, Alaska club. Had to be chilly up there. He holds a United U.S. Soccer A license and a national youth license. Tommy earned his bachelor's degree in business communications in 1992 at LaRoche College in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He has worked as a coach in both Alaska in PA West Olympic development programs and has worked as an ODP staff coach at the regional level uh, in both region two and region four. In 2012 and 13, Tommy was the head coach uh, of the Mass USACA ODP under 13 boys teams. Tom Geis, my longtime friend, welcome to Conversation with the Coach. Thank you so much. It's definitely a pleasure to be here and all those kind words. I must Humbly say thank you for that. <laughs> Tommy, they're much deserved. They're much deserved. I, I don't I don't blow smoke up the proverbial, you know, where I, I, I those, <laughs> those are those are true and uh and sincere words. Um so you and I have chatted um, you know, before uh, today's broadcast, before today's segment about geez, what should we talk about? And um we decided to 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 tackle the issue of managing child behavior, managing player player behavior, in particular at the grassroots level. I, I know when I deliver one of those courses, which are my favorite, by the way, you know, the 68s, the 10s, um, you know, I, I have a, I do a pretty good job in terms of managing behavior and, and coaches will go, how did you do that? How did you get them to do that? How did you get them to stop? How did you get them to come in? And I tell them, like, well, it's, it's nothing magical. I, there's nothing magic about what Giovanni Puccini does. It's through training. It's through, you know, ongoing research and and practice. And what I had going for me, Tom, was, was 24 years in education as a health and phys ed teacher. I had 24 years of practice of doing this. So when I bring it to the soccer field, it had, it had been done a million times prior. So in setting the table with that, Tom, let's let's kind of get going here. What are your, what are your thoughts? What are your general thoughts um, to coaches when it comes to, in particular, grassroots managing behavior? What are some of the tips and advice you might want to give a coach uh, relative to, to that aspect of, of teaching the game? Well, it's weird when you're talking about grassroots coaches and how they manage children, if you will. And I think that's one of the key words that when we use the word player, it's interesting how children suddenly become a commodity as opposed to we have a group of children in front of us. How do we manage them? And it's weird for me is I don't have children. I have tons of nieces and nephews. Like you, I have years of experience working with the children. But one of the first things, if I'm meeting a group of coaches, I rely on their knowledge. I said, you are all parents of the children that you're working with. How do you act? How do you manage behavior at home? Your child does not go from the kid that is bouncing off the wall, you know, snapping their siblings or causing problems, being goofy, hyper energetic. And then because we put a soccer shirt on them, 
that's not going to change. They are still those same children you have at home. We just change the environment that they happen to be in. So use your expertise as a parent slash coach potentially to realize that the children in front of you are not different because there's a, there's a jersey that they're wearing. I love that opening point there. Commodity, I wrote this down in my show notes here, commodity versus children. That is a fascinating view because I, I, you're spot on with that. There's something that happens to, uh, I guess, you know, parents' mindsets or coaches' mindsets. You put a jersey on them, all of a sudden they're expected to behave somehow differently when in fact they're the same kid just in a different colored jersey. Um, expectations. What would you share with a group of, of coaches of, of dealing with young kids when it comes to um, the expectation they should have when it comes to managing child behavior? One of the big ones, it's in a in a joking manner, managing the behaviors of the children is to consider yourself, remember the 10-year-old version of yourself. If the 10 or 12-year-old version of yourself, and I'm going to a very low end of grassroots with that, but would the 10 or 12-year-old version of yourself enjoy what you're doing in practice? And if the 10 or 12-year-old version of yourself said, no, this is horrible, I would hate it, no, I'm not enjoying myself, then we have to assume that the children that you're working with, they're still thinking the same thing. And to assume that they say, well, they'll appreciate it 10 years from now, they may not still be involved in the game 10 years from now because of what's happening now. So we have to always... Put at the forefront, are the children enjoying themselves? Because that's a basic need of a child, enjoyment. And in the process of that, we hope that there's also some development that happens along the way also. But development can happen at the spite of enjoyment. And enjoyment, to a degree, can't happen independently without development because then it's, you know, why do soccer? So we have to try to find a balance in there that how can we help the children enjoy the environment and maybe learn a little soccer as they go through it. But then we also have to consider the children. How old are they? What do they enjoy? What do they outside of soccer? You know, who are they? What about soccer actually makes sense to them? The game we see on TV does not make sense. It's, it's, in a joking manner, I always love the coaches that said, well, we do something in our training session with 10, 12, even 16-year-old kids because Barcelona does it or Man City does it. And at the end of the day, that's not recognizing the environment that you're in. That's not the players that they have. That's not uh, the level of understanding. That's not the level of appreciation. You mentioned uh, it should be an enjoyable experience, and I scribble down. This is this is a word for me that is not used enough. It's a word for me that is not on, at the forefront of of every coach's brain, and that's fun, fun. And I preach I preach this uh, extensively about having fun, whether you're with the U sixes or you're a high school team or college. Heck, I've spoken to players who play for national teams; they want to have fun as well. Um, share with my audience the importance of creating an enjoyable experience. I call it the infusion of joy while still being able to effectively teach the game or, 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 or conduct a training session, because oftentimes you think, well, if they have fun, it somehow dilutes the, the seriousness of what I'm trying to do. And I say, well, no, no, if you do it well enough, you can have fun 
while still teaching? What, what, what would you share with my audience on, on, along those lines? Well, the enjoyment aspect comes to we live in a very drill oriented society because it's easy. We could always, as a coach, we're always in control of a drill because decisions are somewhat lacking. And so we just have to go with what's on paper, what we see, what's not necessarily the outcome or how they solve a, a problem. Many times with coaches, I ask them the question, if you have children, why do you think your children, you'd, you'd have a tough time finding a group of children that says, mom, dad, can I borrow a stack of cones so my me and my friends could go in the backyard and set up a drill? And the coaches ultimately laugh at that, said, why do you think children don't ask you to set up their own types of drills? And across the board, the coaches say, because drills are boring. They're kind of monotonous. They're maybe you could teach something in a drill, but it's very limited to what you could teach. You know, it's very difficult to teach decision-making. Generally, fun for children is problem solving, getting out there now, soccer problem solving. So how can we get a chance to execute on this? Or, you know, we're going to collectively try to solve this problem or this situation that you pose to us. And then the children have to try to collaborate to do that as opposed to just responding to what the coach is telling them to do. So sometimes as a coach, you turn it over and said, okay, the four of you and the four of you and the four of you, here's a situation. Take a moment, discuss it with your group. Tell me how you're going to solve it. Let's see what you could come up with and then try it. Put it out there in the play. That turns the the practice into a game or an adventure, really, because they get to solve their problems based on how they view the game. I would finish that with the benefit to the coach is not whether you agree or disagree with what they're actually doing or their solution that they come up with is this tells you exactly where they're at, where they're what their read is, what their understanding level. So we know that if we're going to guide them, that helps us establish a starting point where I can start nudging them in a certain direction. It's a great point. And you touched upon such a, a crucial element when we talk about development of players at this particular level, and that is getting away uh, from drill. And that's that's in a, you know, that's that's the word we, we have heard for so many years and, and maybe far too long and getting into coaches to be able to create games where kids can play and not only just getting the games, but being able to create games with maybe constraints, uh, different challenges. And then as you, you put so very well, don't give them any answers, ask them, you know, send them, send them out, play, figure it out, maybe bring them back in uh, and say, well, you know, we, 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 we offered up these constraints or these challenges or, you know, these twists to your game. How do, what happened? Uh, was it a challenge? Did you able, were you able to figure it out? Um, and then you send them back on their merry way um, for them to, to see if they ha have, have then figured it out. And your role as the coach is just to sit back and and, and watch. Uh, it's such an important point, Tom, um, to getting more more, more uh, activities that are that are play driven versus drill driven. Um, you know, super important and and listening and watching uh, more than more than anything else. And you're kind of dovetailing that. In your travels, and you do extensive work with coach development, coach education, delivery of courses, 
Do you get the sense that coaches out there are starting to change the mindset a little bit from getting away from the drill, you know, lines and that type of thing to embracing and have the capacity to, to create game-like environments for the kids? What are your thoughts on that one? I do believe that they're doing that through coaching education is helping. Having said that, as you are well aware, there are no constants in the game of soccer. So coaches often say, we'll ask the question, are you telling us that we're never allowed to do a drill no matter what happens in soccer? It's like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. There is a time and a place for everything that you might want to put out there within reason. You know, drills are somewhat soccer-ish, but there's only certain things that you could teach. So we do recognize that coaches through grassroots coaching education are learning that the game is what's fun for the children. And we know that as soon as we put a group of kids on the field and they said, well, there's no hiding it. Children need to learn everything. You know, whether you've been playing the game for two years, three years, five years, whatever that length of time is, there is so much about the game to learn. They're just not going to learn it in one day. So as we go through that process and we start creating the situations for the children to solve, they start actually learning the game better. And then we can start applying the tools. So a long answer to your short question is, yes, the coaches very much are learning are getting much better at trying to create a more game-like environment for the kids. And they find out that the kids actually tend to enjoy practice more when it's more, games tend to be more energetic. The energy level seems to be higher. So I think that they enjoy that. Well, sure. They're, they're you know, at, at the risk of selling oversimplifying it, they're playing a game. And who doesn't like playing a game, whether you're a six-year-old or two old guys like us? You like to go out and play. There's joy in playing. And effective coaches understand that and then have the the ability, hopefully, to alter those playing environments without diminishing the joy in it all uh, and, and, and enabling kids to maybe try something else or do something else or, or bring them to another, another level, maybe technically or tactically, whatever. Um, it's a game. It's fun. So, I mean, there's an old saying that says, catch them being good. Catch them being good. What are your thoughts on that when we talk about managing child behavior or player behavior? I would suggest that there is, should always be some balance involved. So every coaching point we make should not be to tear down a player or point out what is the unwanted behavior. So catch them being good is identify when they do get it and celebrate it. Now, having said that, we cannot, the children are not going to develop if all we do is identify the good moments. Sometimes we might need to identify some areas of growth. And it's, as we said, as I mentioned before, there, there are no, well, there's very few times you can look at it said always or never in the game of soccer. So there are times where children make mistakes but are they trying to solve something? And if they're trying to solve something, that's not a bad thing that they're doing. Let's celebrate what they tried to do or recognize we saw what you're trying to do. But part of coaching is trying to help them understand what they were trying to do, how they could either do that better or explore some other choices out there. So we could catch them when they're doing something well 
or catch them in a moment where we could discuss what they were trying to do and see if we could help them improve upon that. And I would suggest very rarely does a player make a decision that's an absolute just disaster. Yes, that does happen. But is it a one-off moment? Is it the one that we really need to draw attention to? Is it something we could just pull the player aside and maybe have a brief conversation, whether it is a soccer decision, whether it is a behavioral issue, wherever, whatever it might be, um, celebrate the successes, use the what might be considered a breakdown as a growth potential through discussion, and occasionally when the things happen that are disasters as a coach that we might perceive as disasters, before we label it as that was a terrible decision or a terrible choice, well, what was the child trying to do? What did they see? What, what were they attempting to put out? If the child comes back and says, makes a response, I just wanted to get the ball as far away from my goal as I could. I had no rhyme or reason behind it. I said, well, from a coaching standpoint, that's telling you where your coaching point needs to start helping the player understand what they're, why they're doing what they're doing, as opposed to just assuming things are right or wrong. You know, so one of the questions aside from, you know, how do I, how do I manage the group as a whole? Typically the second inquiry or the second uh, perplexing problem that, that comes my way is, gee, I've got this kid on my team, you know, he's, but he just doesn't pay attention. He's always getting in trouble. He's he's poking the other players. He's his behavior is just you know singularly uh, distracting to the other players and to what we're trying to do here as a team. What advice might you give the coach who's got that that kid who's um you know he, he's a bit troublesome. He's 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 a, he's a singularly a behavioral issue. Well, that's about the most loaded question you've given all day. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't mess around, Tom. I don't mess around. I, I would say that the biggest concept that a coach has to recognize is every behavior has a reason behind it. And there's this concept in coaching is get to know your players, understand your players, the children that are in front of you. What makes them tick? What's their driving force? Why are they there at soccer? You know, are they running late? when they're always running late, well, there's a reason behind that. And do we put them down in those situations or welcome them to practice the same way we'd welcome the first child that comes to practice? And as it moves on, have the discussions with the player to find out what makes them tick. The other thing that really drives the player, something that we had mentioned before, is that if you put them into small groups and have them have leadership roles or have them solve any situation. Now that player's behavior is shared with his team. So it's noticeable with his teammates and not in a bashing way, but his teammates can help generate the discussion, have that child maybe take leadership responsibility. You know, why is, if that child is there because mom and dad dropped them off and coaching is the cheapest form of babysitting they could find, well, then it's a different approach. If we're going to have them stand still and pay attention to us, that may not be something that's in their real life environment. That could be an issue that they have in school. That could be an issue that they have at home. Same situations. So find out what's driving that. If it really gets to the point that it is 
very disruptive. Get the parents involved, but not as a discipline approach, but ask the parents who I'd mentioned at the very beginning are experts on what drives their child and maybe use those to help. You know, sometimes it is the kid, the child might be pleasant for eight hours a day, but you're the ninth hour of the day. So what are some tips and tricks that the parents use to help get them along the way? Uh, ultimately, to make a long story short, once again, it is without knowing who the child is in front of you, without knowing what makes them tick and what motivates them, it's really hard to drive behavior and get it to more of a desired behavior instead of a, the, the current behavior. Spot on, my friend. Absolutely spot on. A phrase that I oftentimes use is know the nature of your beast. Know the nature of the beast. Collectively, as a group, but, you know, in this case here, we're talking about the individual kid who might be having some difficulties. Know the nature of that piece. And you you, you hit it right on the head. Talk to the parents, you know, uh, you know, seek out other people in his or her sphere, world, and to see what issues are going on. I know when I was a teacher, you know, we, we were we were lucky. I mean, if I had a, a, a problematic kid in my health or phys ed class, I could go to guidance and I could I could I could get, you know, background information on, on that student and then go back to class or to the gymnasium better armed you know, on, on how to deal with that, with that uh, student, because I was able to go to, to a guidance, a guidance counselor. Now parents don't, you know, coaches don't have that ability, but you can go to a parent. You can go to a parent. That's absolutely spot on. Tom, guys, we, we could talk for hours on this and, you know, maybe we should. Um, any closing thoughts as we wrap up this segment of the GP soccer podcast and conversation with the coach, final bits of, of wisdom for, for, for parents out there or coaches, when it comes to managing the behavior of kids, infusing joy in the game um, for everyone who's involved involved in the sport of soccer? The only closing thing I would put in is what I'm quite sure you're well aware of also is the true test of whether or not you're a good coach is not your number of championships you have or not your number of undefeated season. Because for the most part, anybody who played soccer growing up has no idea what their record was throughout the career of their game. But the fact that we are both still involved in the game suggests that we had good mentors or good leaders or good coaches in our past that helped keep us in the game. So if you are going to be, if you want to measure your ability to coach, measure by the number of kids who sign up for the next season. And if all the children are coming back and they enjoyed it, and this is what the sport that they want to stay with, then you know you had a positive impact on them moving forward. And lastly, Tommy, if people wanted to learn more about MassU Soccer, uh, they wanted to contact you, what's the best way to find out about all the great things that are going on with MassU Soccer? MAYouthSoccer.org. And usually it's the best place to go to is to our website because we have an incredible full-time staff that if you have an issue in soccer, whatever that issue might be, whether it's a coaching issue or administrative issue or safe sport issue or anything that you might have to do in the game we have people on staff that can help you with help you solve that or help you get the answers that you are trying that you are looking for and if the person that you happen to reach out to doesn't know the answer they will know who to send it to next to make sure you are best taken care of so mashu soccer is really the proverbial resource of helping you with all your soccer needs and that's not restricted just for folks in Massachusetts. Now I have a global audience. 
So if you're in another country, um, you can very easily, uh, you know, go to the Master Soccer website and 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 discover a boundless amount of of information and some terrific, terrific uh, coaches and administrators that uh, you know they they can they can answer your questions. Tom Geis, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Conversation with the Coach and the GP Soccer Podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation. Okay, we're going to break for a commercial, folks. You know how that works. And on the other side of the commercial break, uh, we're going to get into Coach's Corner. Giovanni Puccini here, GP Soccer Podcast. Conversation with the Coach. Don't you dare go anywhere. 